my besties and welcome back to another episode of coffee with shay i am your host the lovely shay um or shy it's kind of really however you pronounce it but i have so many life updates for you all it's like insane but the biggest one is right before this recording this i went on i'd say like a walk slash jog So I'm probably out of breath, but I'm very, very proud of myself. So it was like, I'm going to do a mile, but I walked and jogged part of the mile, which is not normal for me because I am not a jogger and I'm not a runner, but I was feeling a little happy this morning just to have some free time. So first... We're going to backtrack. We're going to talk about my coffee recommendation. And then we're going to go in on life updates because I feel like I owe some people some life updates because I've had a lot going on. Let me take a little sip of my water really quick. Perfect. Stay hydrated. Um all my babes stay hydrated anyways so life updates after my coffee recommendation okay so my coffee recommendation is the vanilla eclair nespresso pods i usually do one or two shots so it just depends a little bit of almond milk a little bit of oat milk creamer and then you're going to put your ice in there and voila You've got like a vanilla caramel latte, which is so, so good. But I've also been doing the um, medium roast Starbucks beans in my, oh my goodness, I always forget what this thing is called. So it's like a French press, but it's a cold brew maker. So it makes cold brew, obviously. With a little bit of caramel oat milk creamer. Because we're not going to just put a lot in there. Um, You really don't need a lot of creamer when you are drinking just regular cold brew. But when you're drinking an espresso drink, you definitely need more of like a milk. And if you use a little bit of creamer or syrup. So I've been doing that. And that's been really, really nice. I feel like I'm going to be out of breath this entire episode. But I'm just amped up because I'm excited to talk about this topic today. But back to life updates. In true Cheyenne fashion, I have to tell my life updates. So when I'm recording this, this is my, we just got through my first week of working on a college campus. If you know me, you know this has always been my dream to be working at the university level. So I am no longer teaching. I am not starting the school year teaching except I will be teaching at the collegiate level. So I will be teaching a class to college students that talks about like time management, kind of all the things I've already talked about in my other classes that I've already done before and I've already taught like last year. Except the curriculum is actually laid out for us for once. And I am super, super glad that the curriculum was laid out. 
because if you know me, the curriculum was not really laid out for when I was teaching. So we had an idea of what we were teaching, except we didn't really know like how to teach it, which is for every teacher. Every teacher has a curriculum. You teach it how you want to, except this course will be a little bit more of like, so we have a curriculum and here you have a little bit of freedom of how you're going to teach it, but this is really what we're going to teach. That way we're all on the same page. And I genuinely, genuinely appreciate that because it's so hard to lesson plan. But I'm super excited to be able to teach. So I still have that aspect of teaching. I've asked specifically to teach a course, even if learning my job is going to be kind of hard on top of teaching, I still want to teach because that's still very important to me. And I know like I'm in a learning phase right now, but teaching is so important to me to still be teaching students. And so I was like, yeah, I definitely still want to teach. Is there a way for me to still teach? So we're going to be doing that. Um, Other life updates. So I've started this new position and I will be advising students, specifically first year students um, who are their first year of college. So that can be high school students, um, undecided, doesn't know what they're going to do with their life, but we don't know what department I'll be in yet. So if you know my degree is educational studies, concentration counseling, psych minor, you probably can assume I'm just going to be around in that area. Uh, they're not going to stick me in the business department, but they're definitely going to stick me in somewhere that I am already comfortable and familiar with. So that will probably be in those areas. I've been shadowing my supervisor, so I have a big boss and my boss, <laughs> um, and I've been shadowing my supervisor with her advising appointments, and it's been really helpful. This past week has just been a lot of learning. Next week will be a lot of trainings and trying to figure out um, how to do certain websites that we use. Me using like multiple websites, so I really have to learn how to use those websites. Sorry, I'm just a sweaty, out-of-breath girl right now um, for my jog. But anyways, uh, I will talk a little bit about this more, but I put in accommodations. That's what this topic is going to be about. I have ADHD and that's okay. I'm so excited to talk about this topic, especially since I've noticed it in working in an office setting versus being a teacher. So I am going to talk a little bit about the differences in the jobs that I've had, being undiagnosed versus now being diagnosed, medication, that kind of thing. But other things, I haven't really been walking as consistently. I've been trying to hit 10K steps pretty much every day, and I'm not hitting them every day, but I'm getting very close to hitting them every day and trying to walk as much as I can since I am in an office setting, and it's very easy to just get glued to your chair. I'm just not going to do that. I'm not here to gain, you know, as they like to say, the advisor 15. And I'm not really here to gain a bunch of weight. I'm really just here to take care of myself and get movement in. It's fine if I'm gaining weight because I'm not getting as much movement in, but I need to be very intentional about getting movement in and eating food that fuels me throughout the day because I've been forgetting to eat breakfast because I get up so early, it's hard for me to stomach breakfast yet. So I really have to be intentional about the foods that I'm eating, making sure I'm not taking in too much caffeine. I plan on, you know, two shots of espresso in the morning, 
a cold brew in the afternoon, which is still kind of a lot, but um, paired with my stimulant, it really helps. And I'll talk about that more too in, in our topic. But just trying to really be intentional about taking care of myself and getting movement in, eating foods that fuel me appropriately throughout the day instead of forgetting to eat, which can happen often when you're so, uh, especially with ADHD, when you're so entranced into what you're doing and you're like focused on something, so hard. But I'm just being intentional about that. I love the new crew that I work with. I'm so excited. I feel like I'm being very, very supported on the team. I have a really young but awesome boss. She's so smart. She's very, very well educated and versed in everything. And I really genuinely appreciate having this supervisor because it's been very helpful for me. And she's so sweet, so nice. Um, and the whole team is just really nice and genuinely really thankful that I'm there. They're a little short staffed before, so they're thankful that I'm there. Um, I know that you guys live for the updates, right? That's what I assume you guys live for my updates. But uh, other than that, I'm just focusing on my health and wellness outside of my job, really taking care of myself and other things. But I'll talk about that a little bit more. Okay, so we're going to pause for a brief ad and we're going to come back and talk about I have ADHD and that's okay. Okay, so thank you for listening to that brief ad. Every time you listen to that ad, just remember that it is adding a little ka-ching ching to my pocket, uh, and not much. Really, I made about $2, and that's okay, because that's not really what I'm here for. But the ad is just in order to put a little ka-ching ka-ching. Okay, so today's topic is part one of I have ADHD and that's okay. So the second part will be compiled of hopefully having a guest speaker. I've had somebody who is also a teacher and has ADHD offer to have that conversation about what it looks like in teaching. And I have experience in teaching, but so does she. And I'm super excited. Hopefully we'll have a guest speaker on this for part two. But for part one, you're just gonna hear me rant, 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 no. Um, part one, you're gonna definitely hear me talk a lot about being undiagnosed, diagnosed, now accommodations, working in a workplace that's different, teaching being different than working in an office, and so we're just gonna talk about all of those difference. But we're gonna go back a little bit, and we're gonna talk about like how I was as a kid growing up as a student. So I would say that I was a C average kid. I sucked at math and biology and I want to say like I sucked, like I was not good at it. It didn't come naturally to me. And so when you, when I, in my specific diagnosis, when things don't come naturally to me, I'm not going to put a lot of time and effort into them. I'm so sorry. My dog is barking in the background for some reason. Okay. I think I took care of that one. Um, and hopefully she's not barking in the background, but we never know. She She's a feisty one, and it's her world, and we're just living in it. Anyways, so going back, I was a C average kid. Math, science was not very easy for me. English, social studies, and any kind of, like, alternative class, like an elective class, those were important to me. Those were really good classes, 
and they're classes that I could actually relate into. It's no doubt that I ended up going into human services, social sciences, no, no doubt. Uh, so those were always easier for me and I always got really good grades in those classes, but because of not passing prereqs such as math and social and math and science, I, I was a C average kid and that was really hard. So some of the other things that I think are undiagnosed ADHD growing up was my heightened anxiety. So in second grade, I used to chew my hair and I had a person who would yell at me and she one day, it was a teacher, so she yelled at me and one day was like, look, this is what your stomach's going to become if you keep chewing on your hair. And to this day, I've never chewed on my hair before, but I wish that the teacher handled it in a different way. Now being an educator, I realized that that was the worst possible way that you could ever present something to a student especially a young child. I also grew up with a lot of like trauma growing up throughout my entire life. I had a lot going on, like my life was constantly busy. And so when you have ADHD, you kind of live in the chaos and you love chaos. And I'm not saying like you love chaos, like you create chaos. I'm saying like it's more comfortable for you to be doing something that makes you super busy. And that is chaos sometimes. And so for me, growing up, I lived in chaos every single day, and chaos was exactly what my life was going to be set up to be if I continued on the path that my family was on, and I, like, vowed that that's not going to happen. Uh, so, I didn't have hyperactivity, but I talked a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. This is why I have a podcast, because I talk a lot, and I love to talk to people. And one of the biggest things for me was social relationships with females. I'm not talking romantic relationships with females because that did not happen at all growing up, but I'm talking social relationships with females. And I am just saying the word female. I want to be very gender inclusive when I'm talking about this topic. So probably women, um, you want to say female identifying uh, because growing up, no person that I had really gone in contact with use they them pronouns until later and so when I'm talking about them I definitely want to be very gender inclusive but uh, none of the people that I'm talking about um, use they them pronouns possibly like one uses they them pronouns um, but really like childhood friends use she her pronouns they identify as a woman and so uh relationships with women were very, very hard for me. And at that time, young girls, uh, relationships were just very, very hard. I didn't understand why my friends were always so mean to me. I didn't understand why I was switching friend groups constantly. I understand my drama was happening, happening all the time. And I can admit that I, I was the drama a lot of times. And, and now I'm not the drama as I have diagnosed my ADHD and a I'm in therapy and I don't have a lot of close relationships with women. I realized that I was the drama in a lot of relationships and that's okay. But they also were too. I have a few friends that have the ADHD diagnosis or have some kind of mental health diagnosis and so those were also playing a part into our relationships. But for me, the relationships with other women were definitely a really big problem 
because of the drama that existed and there was always something going on and you're young adolescents growing up but you also have like undiagnosed ADHD and it is very common for those for especially women identifying women it is very hard for them to have relationships with other women identifying and so it's complicated because I just think that the relationships I had were very unhealthy and at certain points I think that they were just like drama and I couldn't understand why I was interrupting them. I couldn't understand why they were interrupting me. We're having conversations. We bounce off of each other and a lot of relationships that I had were just bouncing off of each other. Like you do it, I do it. You do it, I do it. You do it, I do it. Relationships and so that made it really, really hard for me to have sustainable relationships and I eventually jumped from like group to group growing up my entire life. Like if you know me, I've had I would say freshman year, I had a group of friends, sophomore year, I had a group of friends, junior year, a group of friends, senior year, a group of friends. So each year I had like my own group of friends and then going into college, I also had really strained relationships with I women identifying and uh, <laughs> it's just hard. It has been very hard for me to have relationships with other women identifying because I struggle with like the power struggles so there's power struggles that they had it's talking over each other it's starting drama and it's very very common for those uh for w those who identify as a woman and have ADHD to have relationships with others it is it is romantically but we're talking social relationships I found myself steering towards men a lot of the time because I felt like the relationships were quote-unquote easier but the relationships weren't easier it's just that I think it's expected less of men for drama they they blow off stuff they don't take things to heart um, and these are things that are taught to them it's taught for a lot of men to just like oh well doesn't matter just blow off things, can't talk about my emotions, can't talk about my feelings. And I liked that because I too didn't want to talk about my emotions and feelings. And when I did, it was easier to have relationships or have those conversations with those relationships that I had because they weren't emotionally feely, didn't take everything personally. And I take everything very, very personally. That was like, and it still is to this day, a problem of mine is that taking things very personally. And it's so easy to have rejection and feel rejected from relationships romantically and socially when you have ADHD. And I felt the entire time I was rejected by those friendships that I had. And when I'm talking about, you know, my ADHD symptoms, I'm talking about me and things that I experience and things that I know are ADHD for me. You may relate and that's okay if you do and you may not relate and that's okay if you don't. And I'm okay with that, but I'm talking about my experiences. So I don't want you to think that everyone has ADHD experiences everything I do, but it is very common in other conversations I've had with those who have ADHD and what you see on TikTok and, and what I've talked to my professional. So fast forward, we're going into college. I'm very alone. Relationships are very hard for me. 
I almost transferred out of college my first semester because I was making no sustainable relationships and I was three hours away from home. I had no sustainable relationships. The only reason I had stayed was because I had um, eventually made friendships such as like my friend Evan and I made friendships with a bunch of people and I was able to really find sustainable relationships. I truly think that it is the relationships that I built with other people that helped me stay and I was starting to make a small community for myself and that's why I stayed. But we're still talking about literally girl drama, girl drama, that's what it is, it's drama and Evan is my first friend that I've had that identifies as a male that I feel related to me when it came to emotions, talking about emotions and all of those things. And that was really important to me because it was my first relationship that was, that relationship and I mean friendship, friendship that was really, really sustainable and able to keep up with. And we spent a lot of time together. We spent literally every day together going to eat, all of these things, like we were glued to each other's hips and that really helped me. It is very, very common to have a favorite person and that may go with my other diagnosis, but he was my favorite person and I spent a lot of time with my favorite person. As long as I have one person, I've always felt like I've been okay and I can handle life's situation. As long as I have one person that really helps me get through things. And that's a part of my own diagnosis is having a favorite person. And I had a favorite person. So some other things throughout is once again, I still struggle throughout school. If you've been to college and you're listening and you are in college or you've been to college, college is very hard because it's not very structured and you have to create a structure for yourself. And I didn't have a structure. I didn't know what a structure was. I didn't know how to set my stuff up and I know I needed a job and I worked on campus and that helped build a little bit of structure for me and I helped work with my advisors to find classes that meet a good structure. But there's a lot of times where you're just free roaming doing whatever the heck you want and you have to figure it out from there. And those who is very common for those who have ADHD who thrive off of structure and I'm one of those people that thrives off of a structure. Now this is hard though because I grew up in a chaotic household and I was trying to mimic the chaos. That goes to my PTSD and I was trying to mimic chaos and the schedule of of college and the structure that I built was good enough for my ADHD at that time. This is pre-diagnosed time anyways. So I don't even notice that I have ADHD. I start to get into drinking coffee and all of these things. Um, Like drinking coffee, I realized that I was trying to drink a lot of energy drinks, just get my energy levels up because my energy levels were really, really low that I needed like a three hour nap every single day. And that changed when I started dating someone who didn't like naps and so that had changed a little bit and then going into that family where no one really napped and it was a lot of work and stuff that changed that because I was used to napping my parents slept a lot I was used to taking naps when I got home if I wanted to uh but it was just to get my energy levels back up so This is actually the first sign that I think that I had ADHD. 
I'm drinking coffee and I look at somebody and I go, oh, I could drink coffee and go to bed. And we're not talking like a Frappuccino because to me that's not real coffee. Sorry. I'm going to be the hater out here who hates Frappuccinos. Get it if you want a milkshake at the end of the day. But um, I looked at someone and said, you know, I could drink coffee and go to sleep. And I realized in that moment after being in like my psych classes, being educated around other people who have ADHD, I have ADHD. I probably have ADHD. And I remember a distinct conversation with somebody and I, I'm not trying to call anyone out when I talk about this topic because I don't, I don't want them to feel like I'm attacking them at all, but this conversation was attacking me. I remember sitting down with two people in specific and they sat me down to talk about my behavior and how I didn't understand social communication. I didn't understand social norms. I don't understand how to be in a family. I don't understand how to be in a friendship, a relationship, or any of those things. I didn't know how to do. And that person, those two people sat me down and and talked about my quote-unquote behavior and how it was not normal. And I remember going back to school and going to the psych department and said, can I get tested for autism? I don't understand social norms. Can I get tested for autism? And I now realize that it's not you know, being autistic, it was ADHD. I don't honestly get social norms a lot, especially the PTSD because I didn't have social norms. I don't get social norms, so I don't know how to be in social norms. I don't know how to be in relationships with other people. That's very healthy at that time. And I didn't know how to be in social communications. My energy levels were down. I didn't know how to communicate with other people. I didn't know how to genuinely just understand the dynamic of relationships. That was never me. My parents were pretty strict, but also at the same time, I was the boss of myself and I am always going to be the boss of myself, but I didn't understand that, you know, mom and dad are the boss and I didn't get that because my parents were certainly not the boss of me, especially after I turned 18. It was like, you're not the boss of me. But that college experience was very tough for me because of being undiagnosed ADHD. Now we'll go ahead and get into more of the other parts of the topic, but let's get into my first job. I worked in ABA and I realized I had a lot in common with these kids that I was working with. And I kind of pondered again, is, is it autism? Like, do I have autism? And I know people are going to listen to this and be like, why would you think that? And it's like, because I related to these kids a lot, this social norm. Once again, I was not getting social norms. I was not understanding sustainable relationships. It was drama, drama, drama in that job that I had. It was constant drama 24-7 all the time. And I was just there to get a paycheck and people didn't understand that. I was there to take care of my kids and get a paycheck. And that's what a job is, is you're just getting a paycheck. And they didn't get that. They wanted to build these relationships with each other. And it was built on drama and bullshit at the end of the day. And I'm not getting social norms. All these things that we are trying to train our students to not, or like our kids to not do, because ABA is, can be borderline 
abusive and I'll, I can totally go into a topic about this, but ABA is borderline abusive and it is emotionally abusive to s- these kids because you're teaching them that there are traits that exist in them that are because of their autism is just not okay and you can't do it. Um, and I stemmed and and I did things that were very common to these kids and I was like, oh my God, we're having an existential crisis again. And then once again, I quit that job and I got into a second job that was about disability services, pre-employment transition services, kids with students, okay, kids aged 14 to about 22. So not just kids, but students aged 14 to 22. We worked with them on like, not their diagnosis, but you know, how do you get a job, all of those things. So it was like job specific, job career development. But an aspect of it was that self-advocacy. And I learned a lot about different diagnosis during that time. And I learned about ADA and I learned about myself and I started going to therapy because I had a really abusive relationship and I started to go to therapy and that really helped me, but also it helped with the grief of my, of my dad because I had lost my dad during that time. And at that time, I was having another existential crisis. I relate to these students. I relate to the students who have autism, but I also related to the students who had ADHD. And I was like in my crisis again of like, I need to get diagnosed. And I started the process of, I started the process of ADHD. I'm not gonna really talk about the diagnosis of being diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but I did have that diagnosis and PTSD, but they didn't think ADHD at that time because they couldn't. It takes a specialist, a special person basically to diagnose ADHD. So I started the process of getting diagnosed with ADHD. And of course, my insurance denied it despite me having an entire spreadsheet. So I had an entire spreadsheet filled out of of things that I felt like were common to my diagnosis. I wish I could pull up the spreadsheet, but I cannot. And it was like a whole Google Sheets filled with examples of having ADHD. Actually, we're gonna pause really quick and I'm gonna pull this up. Okay, so I've got this pulled up. Um, so here are symptoms, expression and example, coping management strategies. And this was something that I had taken off of someone else's TikTok and they had offered it to people to do their, to talk about ADHD with a professional. And so for me, this was very important for me to fill out because I was going to be diagnosed. And so here are some things that I talked about. So warped inaccurate perception of time. So I was regularly late to appointments, even if they were important, like job interviews or doctor's appointments. Um, Borderline incapable of planning or correctly strategizing my day. I get often very overwhelmed. I struggle to calculate time correctly, show up on time to things, watching TikToks or watching TV till 2 a.m. on weeknights, despite the knowledge that I'll be miserable the next day. I delay going to bed and I procrastinated sleep. Some examples of how I coped with this was I ask everyone about departure times and usually plan things with buffer times. I would set multiple alarms with everything 
if there's anything I need to remember, it immediately would go on a calendar and I plan every single thing into my calendar to ensure I don't forget. Another symptom was forgetfulness and examples of this were it became a running joke with my friends and for family about how forgetful and spacey I am. I lost my wallet. I've had a lost wallet since November of 2020 and keys that I'll never have back. I don't carry anything because it ends up being lost, but when I do carry too much to ensure it isn't lost, it still gets lost. I find myself struggling to remember as simple as where is my phone is if it's not put in the exact same place every time. The way that I would cope with this is like I'd have a running checklist to make sure I have everything I need before leaving somewhere. I check my bag multiple times. I make sure to make multiple passes and checks anytime I'm leaving a place or traveling. Um, So I'll double check over the maps and stuff like that. I carry a purse, but it's very disorganized. And while I have everything in there, I find myself still losing stuff. So this is another symptom and I don't have any coping mechanisms for these, but these are symptoms that I've had. So I have an interest-based nervous system. So I find it very hard to make it through any task without picking up my phone and scrolling through random shit for like 10 to 15 minutes. If I'm doing something that isn't holding my interest so I'm not being stimulated enough, like brushing my teeth or finishing a paper or email, doing basic household chores. I know I should do little tasks every day, but that feels impossible. So I really wait until it's impending my day um, before I deal with it. So usually I would ignore the laundry, dishes, and by that point it becomes a multiple step chore because that's something that people with ADHD have some difficulty with is multi-step and and it's a thousand times more difficult because I made it a multi-step chore. I also found doing multi-step things are very complicated. So that means like I needed rewards and consequences. I ended up not being to being I ended up needing to know why when it comes to doing a task or I will refuse, refuse to do it. So for an in a lot of jobs this means that you are disobedient and you don't care and you're subordinate whatever it is. And I just actually really need to know why so that I can do the task. Difficulty with executive function and multi-step task and chores. So I put off a DMV appointment for weeks to the point things are unbearable or I can't cope anymore. I put off paying a ticket up until I got a letter stating my license was suspended. Previously forgot to renew my license. Straight up didn't do my my taxes one year. Um, Takes me forever to shower because of all the steps required. And cooking is a daunting task for me because I resort to meal plans or ordering in. So difficulty completing mundane daily tasks. Decision fatigue. I don't like to make choices because I, I get fatigued from it task avoidance, feeling overwhelmed. I have a lot of impulsivity, so doing or saying things without much thought beforehand. Sometimes I'm too blunt or casual in a professional setting. Sometimes I catch myself seeking out fights or starting unnecessary arguments. Impulsive purchases and shopping problem. I don't really necessarily have that, but I do make impulsive purchases. So emotional hyperarousal, so this is regular mood swings. This also goes a lot with my bipolar disorder and So I try to combat this as best as I can, but regular mood swings, emotional reactivity, I feel like I'm constantly battling my emotions and they control me more than I control them, regularly spiraling into a sad, combative, isolated state after being rejected or having an argument, 
strong feelings of hatred, disappointment, strong inclination to isolate or shut down in the face of those big emotions. Little things either thrill me or put me in a a pit of despair for a few days. Um, I've received a lot of feedback from partners and parents and people in my life saying you you react too strongly to things. Why are you so aggressive out of the blue? I have hyper-aggressive, so this tendency to intensely zero in on a task for many hours at a time. Uh, If I'm working on a task I'm enjoying, I can easily focus on that task for hours with no awareness of the time passing. This seems to go hand-in-hand with losing track of time and being late to things. Uh, When you're interrupted or forced to stop working on that task, it's very hard. You react badly to that. I do grind my teeth. I do pick at my cuticles, lip biting, chewing the inside of my cheeks. I pull my hair, restless leg, foot tapping, difficulty with constant eye contact, difficulty sitting in one position without putting my legs up on the chair or leaning back or crossing legs. And I have trouble focusing on do like unless I'm doodling or sketching. So I'm constantly having to be stimulated. I do have things that I may suspect but don't necessarily fall into that diagnosis. So, I constantly want to share things, um, saving projects for later to refer to later, and then most of these things never get looked at again. I usually have around 50 plus tabs on my browser, constantly feeling like I'm not living up to my full potential. I'm constantly, constantly thinking, like, once I get my shit together, this will be great. And I do have a bad delayed circadian rhythm, so delayed sleeping issues. I've been highly passionate from an, from a young age, but I had mood swings, aggressiveness, just defensiveness. I struggle a lot with organization, even though I'm a very organized person. I like to say that my brain is spaghetti, and that's just a problem that I have, is my brain is spaghetti, even if I look very organized. So that's an ADHD symptoms and expression sheet that I got the template from somebody else, and then I filled out myself. And those are all my symptoms that I went to my first appointment and said, this is what I have and how can we fix it? And how can we get diagnosed with ADHD? So we're gonna fast forward. My insurance obviously said no to that. We're in a teaching position. So this teaching position put me on edge. I I will talk about my year of teaching probably in an episode, but not right now. So teaching with ADHD is very, very hard because once again, you're living in chaos and you thrive in that chaos, but it is so exhausting being in a state of chaos 24-7. And that's what I was in. I was constantly disorganized, constantly not keeping up with things. I had asked for accommodations from my job and those things were not getting filled. I have the diagnosis of bipolar disorder and PTSD. You have to give me legal accommodations. Yes, I marked that I had a disability and I'm okay with that. And they still were not giving me accommodations. They needed a paper. So this year I was like, heck yeah, we're going to get diagnosed with ADHD. So I realized after switching to a different therapist that the old therapist office that I went to, which is done in associates, does ADHD testing. And if you're local in the area, I recommend going to Dunn & Associates for ADHD testing. So I went there for my ADHD testing and it's a three round. First round was a like, just a background. Why do you think you have it? What is this? What is it? Second round is more intense. It was like doing games. I wanna say games, but like sequencing 
all these kinds of situations. Um, I have the letter, just not like perfectly on hand of, and I don't want to disclose all of my medical information anyways, but I have the letter where we talked a lot about like, it was basically like games. So I want to say like sequencing, like you would do with students in like speech class or like in class at school, you would do kind of like sequencing and stuff like that. I had to like have the sequencing of a number, sequencing of like words, things like that. And that was the second round. Third round was a debrief and that took a lot longer because she had a lot of meetings. But essentially she just sat me down and was like, you already know. <laughs> you already know you have ADHD and what you gonna do, okay? So these are your options. And she was like, you can get on bad medication or med management and I, if that's okay, you've lived with it long enough you've learned how to cope, but what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I'm pro-medication, so we're getting the heck on medication. We're going to get this started. So I, back originally, back in May, had set up a med medication for my bipolar disorder, and at the same time, I was getting ADHD diagnosed. And so I was like, we're going to go in, get this diagnosis, and then have the diagnosis just in time for my medication management, because I was going to get back on um, bipolar medication and talk about how I thought maybe I had BPD instead of bipolar disorder. And so we go in there and I was like, here's my letter. It says I have ADHD. Let's get on medication. And that's not essentially how it was, but I described what my ADHD symptoms were to her, my bipolar symptoms were, things like that. Why I thought I had BPD instead of bipolar. Ended up coming out and I had bipolar mixed. Bipolar 1 mixed, so it's mixed emotions, not mania, mixed emotions, and it pairs with my ADHD and my PTSD. So I have all three of those diagnoses, and right now I'm currently taking Vivans. I'm taking the lowest dosage you could take because I have a sensitivity to medication because I could never take it. I am managing my ADHD really well. I have disclosed in this new job that I have ADHD and I have put in a formal request for accommodations and next week, whenever I put this out, I may have already talked about my accommodations with HR, but I'm gonna be talking about my accommodations with HR. They're very, very simple accommodations. Like, they're things that people should be doing, but these are the things that I have set down and said, these are things that I need. So I'm gonna pull this up really quickly and just tell you guys like what I gave my supervisor. So it's very simple, honestly, like what I had asked for, but uh, essentially one of them was like pairing me with a coach. So like my boss is going to do professional development with me, but she's going to obviously pair me with her and that way I can, uh, this allows me to have someone help hold me accountable and grow professionally, allowing during overstimulation to decompress alone either in the office or going outside and taking frequent breaks to prevent overstimulation and burnout, double checking detailed paperwork, additional forms of communication and preferred style. I prefer email. I need this in order to prevent any miscommunication. I need to have meetings with people following, followed up with an email in case I have meetings with people followed up, in case I missed anything. Regular feedback with frequent one-on-one -on -one meetings to help prioritize tasks. 
additional assistance uh, or time slash times for activities. This does not mean missing deadlines. I just need additional assistance. I need the vision of task and priorities hierarchy, essentially expectations of responsibilities and consequences for not meeting the performance. Use of occasional leave for therapy or other health appointments. I'm in therapy, I take medication, I'm working with a psychologist in order to keep up with my diet, my disorders. It is important that I'm attending those meetings to complete my job functions. Sticking to an eight-hour schedule, so what I'm meaning is adjusting the time as needed to ensure I'm working eight hours. This is to prevent burnout and overstimulation. It is possible that I will work overtime, and that's okay, but I need to have it adjusted. Telecommuting, uh, working from home when necessary, so this is in order to prevent overstimulation and burnout, but bad days also happen with my disorder, and it's helpful to work from home when those days happen. Recording meetings since meeting notes aren't enough. This is to prevent any miscommunication. I have sent that to HR and my supervisor and they're allowed to share those out with my team and I've been able to disclose that with my team. Now, I'm not saying that you need to disclose having a disorder to other people, but I will say it is helpful and I've always said that there is nothing wrong with getting accommodations as needed. So when you're disclosing, you have ADA which protects you as an employee, you can request accommodations as long as they're reasonable. And for me, it's very helpful that I have those accommodations because when my job isn't doing those things, I can say, hey, remember, we have legalities that you have to be doing these things. And there are already things that people should be doing, but for legal reasons, these are very helpful for me. And I totally firmly suggest that if you have a disability that you get accommodations through your workplace and you figure out what those accommodations are and what works best for you. This takes a lot of time to figure out accommodations and they have to be reasonable. You cannot just ask for something unreasonable. They have to be a reasonable thing. You can't just ask for a $3,000 computer, but you can ask for hey, can I have be paired with a coach? Can I telecommute if it's offered? Um, that kind of thing. Can I leave for meetings, uh, like with my doctor and stuff? So just remember that when you have accommodations, it is just a legality to protect you and your workplace. So it's mainly to protect you through ADA, so Americans with Disability Act, and the point of having accommodations is that when your job is not doing those things and you are failing because they're not putting they're not putting in the work to meet your accommodations you can legally make sure that they are meeting your accommodations there have been plenty of lawsuits where works are not meeting accommodations and they're not being accessible for those who have a disability and disclose it because you have to disclose having a disability disclosing it and you have the legal paperwork on file that's a lot. I've thrown a lot into this episode, but I just feel that it's been very beneficial that when I talk about my ADHD, I'm being very, very helpful and I'm giving the best advice I can. I'm also talking about like ADHD from undiagnosed to diagnosed. I now take medication for it. It's very well managed. I love taking medication and it's not for everyone and that's okay. And Vyvanse is not for everyone and that's okay. And disclosing is not for everyone, and that's okay. But I have ADHD, and that's okay. I'm okay with it, and I'm okay with everything that I've done to manage my ADHD. And I hope that maybe if something resonated with you, you either get diagnosed, or if you are diagnosed and you haven't thought about disclosing or you haven't thought about how you can be legally protected in your job, 
please think about that because it's very helpful for you, especially in a professional setting and how important it is to protect yourself. Um, so always be thinking about yourself and always be thinking about your protecting yourself because once again, I have ADHD and that's okay. Thanks for listening. I'm so happy that you could just listen to me rant, but thank you everyone. I appreciate you listening to my podcast and I put a lot of time and effort into this and I'm so glad that my words can resonate with people. I encourage you to continue messaging me and letting me know that you're resonating with something that I'm saying because this is why I do it. So thank you. Bye.